Welcome to the Page 2 Podcast, presented by Chase Oaks Church, where we go behind the headlines and behind Sunday morning sermons to discuss in-depth issues of faith, culture, and life. You know, all of us want to grow in our lives in some way. We want to get healthier. We want to learn more. We want to do better things. We want to improve our relationships. And sometimes growth can be like real tangible things. Like we measure our kids height when they get taller, or if we're runners, we want to, you know, run a faster mile, or if we're trying to lose weight, we measure our success. But spiritual growth can be tricky. And how do you even measure that? Can it be measured at all? And even trickier, it seems like, is that you meet some people, you meet someone who, who you think is really spiritually mature or is supposed to be, and then you get to know them and they're not even very nice or they end up making really poor life choices and it can be um, disconcerting. And, and each of us, when we look at our own lives, it can be equally confusing because sometimes uh, we can look back over the last year and wonder if, if we're even... Even growing at all. And sometimes it's difficult. In difficult moments, we might question if things like church attendance or spiritual disciplines are really making much of a difference. And so it's pretty confusing. And so today, we're going to talk about something that is surprisingly tricky to sort of nail down. Because it's um, and it's surprising because it's so fundamental to what church is all about. So today we're going to just talk about spirituality and we're going to talk about spiritual growth. And so, uh, welcome to the Page Two Podcast. I'm Greg Holmes and I'm Eric Torrance. Well, Greg, you you've been a pastor for how long? Oh man, we're going to date, me... date you here. Yeah, I've been a pastor for 25 years. Wow, that, that that's pretty old. <laughs> that's pretty old. Yeah, I, I uh, well, and maybe pastor is a little. I, I started working on staff yeah. at the church when I was 21. I yeah. wasn't a pastor; that was kind of a youth director, and so there's different kind of hierarchies at that church. Right. But I started church uh, work when I was 21. Yeah. And so my last year and a half of undergrad, and then all through seminary, and so yeah, my whole adult life, yeah. uh, I've been I've been working. As in ministry, which is even kind of a tricky thing too, because it's like you know, I think both you and I grew up in in the church to a degree, right? right? Yes. Um, and so I've been a pastor for eight years, but it's like, hey, throughout the time that I've attended church, it's like the topic of spiritual growth is such a it is a hot topic that I mean. For lack of a better word, uh, there's a lot of hot sports opinions about you know spiritual growth and 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 a lot of heated discussions that tend to happen around that. I mean, even in your experience, like how in the different churches or environments that you've been a part of, how what kind of discussions? How has it been presented uh, about spiritual growth? It's surprising how um, not uniform it's been. Yeah, you know, in yeah. the, the various churches that I've been involved in, because sometimes it seems like, and sometimes it's not necessarily something that is expressed like this is what spiritual growth is. It's not necessarily taught, but it's sort of caught. Yes, like in that environment, it's like, oh, okay, this is what a good Christian, quote, unquote, right. I'm doing the air quote right. things with my fingers right now. <laughs> that's like, good for radio. Yeah, so that's, that's really, yeah. <laughs> really good for podcasts. Uh, this is what, you know, a mature Christian looks like or whatever. And a lot of times it's things like it, maybe it's a certain set of practices mm-hmm. like attending church every week and mm-hmm. reading your Bible and certain like disciplines or or things like that. Like that, that kind of encompasses what it means. Like that's our goal mm-hmm. is just to get people to sort of adopt those types of practices. 
Um, other times it seems like it is Bible knowledge. Yeah. Like just the more you learn. And yeah. so, um, and, and, and when you're committed to, to studying your Bible more and more and more and more, that's just sort of like you're, you're, you're going up the rung of yes. spiritual maturity. Um, other times it, um, it might be more like activism, huh. you know what I mean? Of, of certain things that, um, or, and then maybe the last one is, it seems like in some pockets that I've been involved in, spiritual maturity and transformation or growth was kind of measured on um, whether or not you checked the right boxes on how you think huh. about certain topics. Huh. Like maybe cultural topics, hot culture topics. Like once you sort of change your mind <laughs> about this and you're sort of in line with the way you we start think. start voting this particular yeah, way. Yeah, you start voting a particular way <laughs> yeah. or you start caring about certain things you didn't care yeah. about before or, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, now you're one of us and now we're growing, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff, which can be very, very confusing, yes. you know. Um, and it is surprising that all, just, you know, just as I mentioned a, a minute ago, um, every church is about this. Yes. It's about transformation. We yes. do believe that God, you know, changes lives and uh, that the Bible changes lives. They know that this is, we're about the work of transformation. And it is surprising on, you know, if you get 10 different churches, there would be similarities, but they wouldn't be exact. Right. You know? Yeah. There's even two that popped to my head of like different things as well, just measured growth. Um, one was in some different organizations or churches I've been a part of where it's almost treated like the church can almost be treated like a Kiwanis club or an Elks hmm. Lodge or kind of right. a social sphere. And so spiritual growth in that sense meant moving up in uh, influence and oh, leadership yeah. position. Uh, whether or not there was anything else, you know, any other changes beyond that, it was just like, oh, this is a person that's cool and they keep moving up the ranks. So they must be growing in that right. sense. Um, and and I get why that sometimes happens, but I've just felt that uh, from time to time. And then, um, and not to pick on this, it's just I've had friends of mine that have come from a more charismatic movement as oh, well. Yeah. And so spiritual growth in, the, in many of those churches has been around, well, what does your worship look like, uh, speaking in tongues? Right. Um, and and so it, it's confusing a, a couple of my friends where it's like they move from one, one kind of uh, lane in a sense, and you go to a different church that maybe – doesn't talk about the spirit at all. And you're like, wow, like, okay, so what, how do I grow here? Um, right. So it's just really interesting how personalities and denominations and, and, and churches and culture. Um, right. I'm sure if we had friends in this conversation right here that come from an Asian background or an African background or um, any number of them, they, they would probably present spiritual growth in a slightly different light than, than right. I might think of it. Yeah. And so I'm excited that we get to talk about this topic. And really, you know, this, Eric, within your ministry here at Chase Oaks, um, this is part of your lane. And one of the things that you have been, you know, um, involved in in adult ministries and in groups and, and that type of stuff. And so, you know, oftentimes here for the podcast, we kind of bring in an expert to kind of interview. And you're that guy uh -oh. this time. Yeah, you're the guy. <laughs> That's a scary place to be. Yeah. And so I get to interview you and you can talk about something that you're really passionate about. Yeah. You know, we have talked a lot about this before and I know that you've you're working with our staff and, and things to try and to bring some clarity. So at least we, we kind of know what we're aiming for yeah. in our own lives yeah. and in the lives of people we're working with, which I, I just think is super, super helpful. So I'm going to 
kind of hand it over to you a little yeah. bit and ask some questions sure. and, and feedback. But I'd, as you think about us as a church, and we're a diverse church, yeah. and we come from different backgrounds, and we're not, you know, um, we, we want to be a place where people, you know, if they do come from a charismatic background or they come from a non-church background or whatever, that we don't want to dis- we don't want to say, well, we're this and not this, but we do want to we want to be inclusive, but we want to be clear, yeah, you know, and so that we can kind of understand what is it that God does in people's lives? How does he typically work and all this? And how can we see, is, is he doing things in my life? How can I encourage others? Because we want to be a part of that. So yeah. as you think about that, as a church like Chase Oaks, a big church, a big diverse church, how do you, you know, how, how did you approach this? Well, you know? it is, it's one of our three main invitations as a church. You know, we yeah. come as you are, be transformed and make a difference with the transformation piece right. being that middle one. And it's a, it's it's a hard to nail down as we've talked about it's a hard to nail down like well what does that mean to be transformed and and, and even that invitation which comes from Romans 12 it's um it's an odd command it's a passive right. it's command it's a passive command you know, so you're like okay i'm supposed to do something but i'm actually not like Doing something it. is being done to me so it is a I can see why it can be hard for all of us to kind of wrap our heads around it. And so we just kind of felt as we were thinking through that second invitation, had we been clear enough to at least hopefully encourage people um, Mm -hmm. to say, hey, there is you are making a difference in what you're doing. Um, and hey, God is at work, but what are some of the, maybe the benchmarks that I should keep an eye out for? I mean, even for us as a church where we are a small group oriented church, like we want to help people get into community, but you and I have both been a part of groups where you might say, you know what, I'm not sure like transformation was really a highlight or uh, the point of it. Right. And so just by itself saying, Hey, our be transformed invitation is about small groups. Like it's probably not clear enough. You know, right, it's probably right. not because uh, that the, there's some hoops that we probably need to jump through uh, or steps that we need to consider to get to the place where we say, you know what? I think a small group community is pretty vital mm-hmm. to you growing, but that's not, that, that feels like we jump four or five steps in between. So this is right. really a desire and, to and try to do it's that. It's pretty clear that not all groups are created equal, right? you know, and some are much more conducive to transformation and growth than others. And so w- when we don't have an ask, when we don't have a, to understand those different aspects or, or uh, it, it's kind of hard to know. It's like, well, I was in a group and, yeah. you know, and, and so I guess that's, that doesn't work for me or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the aha moments for our team as we were thinking about this was we were looking at a few different churches and, and somebody was just at a conference and they made this comment that they're like, hey, before I know, before I want to see what, how you help people grow, I just want to know what you believe about it. Yeah. And I was like, that, that hit me because I'm like, well, yeah, I believe things about growth and I'm about the Bible, about Jesus and all that, but what, like, what do I actually believe about it? And that particular church had nailed it down to, I think it was like three or four words that they used. It was just mm-hmm. different words. And I was like, well, that, that would be important for us to think through. And so we came up with, um, something that we call the four, five, six of, okay. uh, of, uh, our be transformed invitation where we have four underlying convictions, just things that we see in the Bible um, there's more that you can say about spiritual growth than these four things, but we just think these four things in particular are particularly foundation foundational about our approach. And if right. people want to understand, like, okay, what is what is our church uh, trying to do? How do we how do we think about we, oh, these four mm-hmm. things? And they're seen in scripture. Like these are right. scriptural things. 
um, we have five uh, different uh, faith catalysts, and those are things that pop up in Scripture from time to time, but they're actually uh, things that come from different people's stories. Mm-hmm. And then we have six influential characteristics, just, hey, what are those people, who are those people that tend to really help others flourish when it comes to their spiritual yeah. growth? and. And so I, I think that that leadership conversation is probably one for another time. Yeah, but, that, that six. Yeah, that but one. the four and the five, I think, were, were really helpful for our team as we kind of said, hey, then our job, if any of us are, are as pastors, but in particular in the adult ministry world, like, hey, our job is to be really clear about mm-hmm. what we believe um, and communicate that out to people. Um, and, and then to say, if this is what God is using to help people grow, then why would we fight any of that? You know, right. Like, let's join alongside it. Yeah. I love that because it seems like the four, and I've just kind of put this in my own words, it seems like the four kind of helps define what growth is. Yeah. And we're going to get into each one of those in just a little bit. The five is how, as a church, we can help facilitate that those things to happen. Yeah. And then the six is, okay, as leaders, these are the types of people that help create this environment for these things to happen. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it, it just really kind of gives a little bit of a roadmap, not only on what we're wanting to see in everybody's life, but what kind of leaders we want to develop yeah. and what kind of ministries we need to have. And so I think it's it's super, super helpful. So let's, why don't we jump yeah, in? that'd be great. And so what are the four yeah. that we have? Well, um, so the first one is is kind of a, this is meant to just sort of say, hey, what what in some ways do we think a disciple is, you know? and. Right. Um, and and cuz again that th- there's lots of words that churches use to describe spiritual growth that when we actually dive into it like okay do I really like so we talk about discipleship or we talk about transformation or we, you know all that stuff and it's like okay what those are easy to say but what do we actually believe about it right. so this would be one that we'd say hey this is kind of our discipleship definition and we say that transformation is maturing in faith hope and love and for us that there's a couple of key words that we've mm-hmm. just clued in on from the Apostle Paul, really, on how he describes spiritual growth. And so a couple of things that he would use time and time again is he'd call it a, a maturation process right. of going from being a child, from an infant to um, a, a self-sustaining adult. And so um, we're like, hey, then for us, a disciple is someone who is in an active process of maturing. Right. And that those benchmarks of how they are maturing, there's lots of ways, and you talked about this in your opener, there's lots of ways that we can physically uh, track the, the the maturity of a child who's moving from childhood to adulthood. Right. Spirituality, or spiritually wise, that can be tougher to nail down. Um, and And so the words that Paul uses are probably different than ones I've used in in the past where I would say, Hey, uh, transformation is a process or is maturing in knowledge or, uh, is maturing in influence in the church. And he just uses these three words over and over again in a lot of intros to his letters of faith, hope, and love. Um, that faith would be this idea that, Hey, I believe in Jesus and what he said, who he said he is and what he said he would do that my faith in that um, is is growing. And, mm-hmm. and even in the sense where when life is falling apart, um, my faith is holding strong that this is who Jesus is and right. what he said he'd do. Hope being that my hope is not in my present circumstances, but uh, a lot of the believers that Paul would be talking about in the New Testament were going through really difficult times. And so he would measure their maturity um, oftentimes based on the level of difficulty they were facing and the amount of hope that they still had uh, to be optimistic. 
about, hey, Jesus is coming back. He's going to redeem and restore everything, which means Christians should be some of the most optimistic people right. on the planet. We're not often, yeah, but we right. should. And then love is, uh, I'd say, pretty self-explanatory, but the idea that Jesus just time and time again would say, hey, what he wants from us, the way that we demonstrate his work in our lives is if we are loving in the kind of love that he loved right. It is us. a grace-flavored love. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, loving folks that may, might not deserve it. Yeah, I love, one of the things I love about that, after, you know, being a pastor and uh, for as long as I have in, in, in different environments, you can get a little bit um, frustrated, especially because you mentioned knowledge yeah. there, that that's certainly, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, like the importance of teaching and, and, yeah. and learning and that that's, and God's word is so important. Um, but this, like starting off with growing in faith, hope, and love, it kind of puts growing in knowledge as a means to an, a different end. You know what I mean? So it's not just about um, measuring our, our, our growth and knowledge that that is that that that's the measure for spiritual growth. It's important, but it's important for some other end. Yeah. You know, it's important because we need to grow in yes. our faith and we yes. need to grow in our hope and, yeah. you know, th- that type of stuff. And it, we don't just stop there because I know when I was uh, when I was a senior pastor and I was preaching every week, it can it can just sort of be discouraging that there yeah. is a desire among among a lot in the Christian community just to. To just sort of want to satisfy our own intellectual curiosities yes. and just learn something we haven't learned before. And if we've learned something we haven't learned before, we think, oh, man, I am growing in my Christian life because I never knew this about Ehud or, yes. you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, and if, it, if it's not sort of changing our behavior or changing our hope or strengthening our faith or, or whatever um, – it's not doing its 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 intended job, and so that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because there's a there's a guy that I would think is one of the most spiritually mature people I've met, and he's been in our church a long time. He has heard every sermon that we've done five or six times. Right, right, and, and it's, it's great, you know. Yeah. But he's heard it, and it's like it's and and yet it's interesting when he comes out of uh, of uh, especially uh, the last time I'm thinking of it is a message where it's like, hey, we we try to cement some things over and over again. So right. we've given this message kind of before. Or at and, least the principles yeah, the of princi- that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's right. not new yeah. to people. That, yeah, they're yeah. going to be like, hey, yeah. I, I understand. Like, we've preached on this passage or whatever. Right. And that he would come out and he'd be like, oh, you, you would not believe what God revealed to me in this yeah. message. And it would just be like the freshness of it. Right. Um, and and that, that's inspiring to me in the sense where I almost think humility or a humble posture is somebody that's kind of kind of saying, hey – I'm going to submit my life to the Bible. The Bible is alive and active, which means that I can reread a passage I've read before or I can right. hear a message I've heard before and get something totally new out of it. In fact, I need to be open to the fact that God wants to do something new in that. Right. So I do think there's that tension of like, yeah, it's good to grow in knowledge. It's just that that's not the that's never the end yeah. of the of the journey. Right. Yeah, I was tempted at, at, at some more sort of discouraging times of being a senior pastor of saying, you know, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you're dismissed, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Come back next week and tell me how you did, you yeah. know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so yeah. number one, yeah. transformation yeah. is about maturing in faith, hope, and love. What's number two? Number two would be transformation doesn't happen naturally, uh, and that's a play on words. Uh, uh, one, transformation is supernatural. Um, it's spirit-driven. Uh, in fact, the be transformed uh, – uh, invitation uh, from Romans 12 is the idea that that it is not us actively producing the transformation in our life. It's the Spirit's work. You know, right. He is at work, um, which means that we just need to be pretty clear about the fact that we don't take any of the credit. 
uh, of yeah. that. Like when when something is being transformed by God's power in our life, that's not like look at me, uh, like or look at all the cool things Chase Oaks did for me or whatever yeah. you know whatever church you attend. It's like no, that's God. God gets all the glory. He gets all mm-hmm. the credit, and and it means that we need to be pretty hopeful too to say hey there's hope for any of us that right. if it's supernatural it's like well when when you trust in Jesus and then he and you're like man I'm a, I'm his child I'm secure in my identity his spirit comes inside me that I need to be pretty optimistic that that he can do a lot of things right. and yeah. he can do that in other people's lives too so I do think there's a reminder of that to say hey transformation is not natural um it's supernatural but there's another part too of that to say that that transformation is not natural in the sense that none of us drift towards it. Mm-hmm. Um the Bible likes to have a lot of tension that it just doesn't solve whether it's hey God's completely in control but you and I have a say in the matter mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um right. or um, you know, God, yeah, God is completely sovereign, but he allows things to happen uh, in there. I'd say one of the tensions in here, too, would be that God is the one doing the transformation, but you and I are, are commanded to make every effort uh, right. to produce that transformation, uh, uh-huh. to, to be a part of that transformation. So I just say that none of us drift towards it naturally. Yeah, yeah, because that, that is a weird tension yeah. on that. And so I think in a lot of aspects of the Christian life, I know I've talked about this when I've talked to um, talked to couples in marriage, you know, counseling, and I've said, you know, if you're if you're doing relationships the way it feels natural to you, you're probably doing it wrong, right? You know, it's like if because all throughout you know our Christian faith, God calls us to do things that don't feel natural, yeah. to you know that stretch us or or whatever. But then on the other side to say, but the actual heavy lifting of transformation is not done by us, but he does work in partnership with us, you know? And yeah. so it is a weird, you know, it, it is us doing things that don't feel natural, but that doesn't mean we, we take the credit for yeah. it. You know? and, and Jeff has worded it this way. And I like it when he's shared how he's like, Hey, our, our job is to sense where the spirit is moving and then to join him there. Yeah. Which means there's a part of it that says that sometimes God wants to transform me in a way that I don't have like a plan. Like that wasn't my plan or my thing, or I didn't want this in my life. Mm-hmm. And yet the spirit's working. The spirit is saying, this is, this is where I want to, I want to do some hard work on it. Right. And, and then my job then is to say, okay, I need to be humble about that, but I also need to, to join him and, and not hold right. back on what he's trying to do in my life. And I do think just just very practically uh, for those of us that are in a group somewhere or going to church mm-hmm. or trying to parent our kids well, there's a part of it to say that we need to have intentionality and plans in place to say, okay, I, I probably need to not just expect this to happen, but to say, okay, I need to actually work at it. And right. when doing a small group is hard, it's like, well, because it's hard, you know, yeah, like it's not right. going to like – just because something is difficult doesn't mean God's not at work. And in fact, it's probably the opposite way right. uh, around. So we see in these first two, um, God producing and, and transformation, producing um, faith, hope, and love, those characteristics. It's also a supernatural thing that God is doing. But as part of that, we're going to be, you know, uh, doing some things that feel uncomfortable. Um, and it's, we're not just going to sort of drift to it. We can't sit back, and, and so it takes some intentionality. That's great. Okay, so what's number three? Yeah, transformation is an imperfect journey with a promised destination, um, meaning, we're, hey, we're all going to have ups and downs, um, and all of us have room to grow. Um, 
and we need to not be surprised by that. It's almost like, you know, if someone says they've arrived, well, we know they haven't, you know. Right. Um, and yet I think this statement is meant to say, okay, there's ups and downs. All of us have room to grow. But, again, we should have – we should be incredibly hopeful that right. if it's God at work, you know, as Philippians says, it's like, hey, what, he who began a good work, he will complete it. Um, probably not on this side of heaven. In fact, we know not on this side of mm-hmm. heaven. But he will complete it, which means we – we just get to join in in kind of being cheerleaders for other people to say, hey, it's an imperfect journey. Um, I'm not going to try to design like the most step-by-step pathway for right. you because you're probably not going to follow it, and I didn't follow it either. But I do get to be a cheerleader for you when you take steps, and any step, I mean any step forward, um, right. whether that's attending church for the first time or not yelling at your kid when you felt like you want. I mean yeah. we celebrate we celebrate those steps. Yeah, and I think r- – that's so incredibly helpful if if we can remember that um, even in our own lives because there we do kind of in the I think a lot of us have this expectation that you know if I am going to engage in what God's doing and I'm going to go to church I'm going to read my Bible or whatever it is going to be up and to the right yeah. for me yeah and when it's not which it won't always be you know right. it's it's not only you know two steps forward one step back it's it's a lot of times one step forward two steps back. Uh, at least that's what it feels like and, and in our own lives and in everyone else's life. You can kind of um, not maybe not freak out, you know, <laughs> uh, and still believe that God's still involved. You know, he's still going to do, you know, what he's begun in my life. And he's still and not freak out maybe and because of other people or not exactly where you want them to be. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff that this is it's just a really, really messy journey for all of us. Yeah. And it's just I, I think. Like I even I'm thinking of a non like churchy example. I'm just I remember when I was in college and I'm I was working really hard at trying to save my money, you know, mm-hmm. and, and manage money better. And so I would, you know, I had a budget and I would, you know, plan and do all this thing. And I was making I was making strides. I just felt like there was momentum. Mm-hmm. And then life would happen. Something like you know, uh, my transmission on my car right. went out. And and so when that happened, then I just like torpedoed every I was like well you know whatever I'm gonna go out and eat dinner I'm gonna you know I'm just gonna go do whatever because it doesn't matter you know right and I think it's just when life happens in our spiritual walk it's easy to get discouraged but instead to say hey again even when we fall off a cliff we can be hopeful and we just got to get back on it and yeah and then there's gonna be aspects of our life where there's a lot of momentum mm-hmm. whether it's relationally or spiritually and yet there's other places where we're still a mess, and we just need to admit that and yeah. be okay with that, you know? That's great. Okay, number four. Yeah, uh, the last one is transformation is uniquely personal but can't be done alone. Um, I'm particularly passionate about this one just because, I mean, Greg, you and I both went to seminary, and that was always presented as sort of the the pinnacle of uh, you know, wow, you're really following hard after God right. if you go to seminary. That's right. It's the varsity. Yeah, yeah it's the varsity. And—, and and I think this statement reminds me of like, okay, we need to think differently about mm-hmm. it, that that for some people that is what they need to do, uh, whether they're going to seminary for intellect or if they're going to seminary um, to be uh, for ministry and service mm-hmm. or whatever it is, but that we all connect with God. Like we're all uniquely personal uh, or we, have, we're, we all have unique DNA, uh, personalities, right. strengths, and so – it should make sense that all of us uniquely connect with God in a way that maybe other people don't, which means right. you and I need to be careful about presenting our journey and our leaning as the way to do it. And right. that happens all the time. You For know? sure. Yeah. 
So just in light of that, what would be your kind of pathways, the ways that you connect with God or the things that God has used in your life that might be unique or different from me? Yeah, I mean, so I do connect by intellect. Like I, I that's you like to study. Yeah, I do like to study. So mm-hmm. I did that. That's why I went to seminary for part of it. Was I'm like I just I I feel like when I'm reading the scripture, I get pretty ADD in some ways mm-hmm. where I will come across a word I don't understand and I just need to figure it out. Like I just yeah. need to like I, I can't get past it and and that's just the weird way my brain works. But God God uses yeah. that. Um, but the other one for me is is nature, like just yeah. getting out. And sometimes I think for me it's because I need to quiet my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just found that those two in particular, like when I think of transformation, it tends to be in one of those two categories. Either it's kind of a get out, contemplative kind of thing, or it's a deeper yeah. scriptural study or something like that. What What is it for you? You know, I would be, in some respects, pretty similar. You know, I am, um, I'm kind of driven by uh, knowledge, and so I do, I do see times of of growth or depth in my in my walk uh, or my spiritual walk and my my journey with God. Is um, there are a lot of times when it, I've just sort of, you know, kind of dive deep um, mm-hmm. in Scripture or, or learning something. Um, I can tell in my own spiritual life if I'm not getting outside, you know yeah. what I mean? I do sort of start to feel stunted, you know, and, and here in Dallas, you know, it is hard <laughs> for me. Like, it, honestly, like July and August are hard for me yeah. in my, cause I just, I feel so cooped up and I can't get outside and it's just so miserable. Um, but for me, probably one thing that would be a little bit more unique for me as an artist, yeah. um, story and, um, artistic expression that are sort of nuanced and, you know, where I can just sort of, um, be surprised by something or wrestle with an issue in an artistic way or through the art of someone else or through a, a really well-told, uh, movie or something like that. Um, it sticks with me profoundly mm. and, and God has used that in pretty major ways. And so I have gotten to the point to where I sort of like for me, there are certain ingredients I know that I need, yeah. you know, for me to sort of be healthy and be the kind of the best version of myself, you know, and some of that is study and some of that is being outside. I need to exercise, you know, some of that kind of stuff. Um, some of that is uh, artistic expression for me, like I need to be painting or, or, or things like that. But also our um, creative input is one of those. Like if I'm not reading um, good fiction or, or watching good movies or looking at good art and really rustling with deeper things, um, then I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not taking advantage of a pathway that God has given me, you know, to, to grow. And it would be, it would be unfair for me to expect everybody to be that same way. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And but it's so, easy to jump into that. I mean, yeah. like we all fall into that trap because I was, I'm thinking of a guy that I love and, and when he came to faith, a big thing for him was the service component. Like he just was like, yeah. that's where God really gripped him was he was, um, he just started volunteering his time. He felt like, man, I've lived such a self-oriented life and it's all about, it's all about serving the poor, it's all, which are, I mean, we would all agree are really good right. things. But for him, it was a particularly powerful um, way that he experienced God's transforming power in his life. But the challenge for him was that he couldn't understand why other people were not as passionate about it. Right. And yeah. Not that we aren't, but not to the degree that he is. And 
it was just a reminder. I mean, it's not his fault because like we all do that to a degree. Like it, it'd be easy for you and I to get into that of like mm-hmm. I don't know why people just aren't as passionate about theology, you right. know, and yeah. like that. Why aren't they reading, you know? Alistair McGrath or whatever, yeah, you know, whoever right. it is. And, and you're like, well, because he's boring is probably right. what they're thinking. Yeah. Um, or people that are uh, some of my more contemplative friends where they will take away – they'll be able to do a spiritual retreat mm-hmm. regularly uh, out in the quiet for uh, a whole weekend. And I listen to that, and there's a part that's appealing, but that's not really – like, that's not really me. Yeah. So it's just – I think we have to be careful as Christ followers to say, hey, that – speaks to me, but that does not have to be normative of everybody's right. experience. And even for me as an artist, it's much more about storytelling and visual arts than it is music. Like music doesn't really do it for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I appreciate worship music. I enjoy worship to, worshiping together, but I know a lot of folks who like that is a major part of their relationship with God yeah. is, and, and their daily practice of spending yes. time with him is music. And that's awesome. That's not me, yeah. but that's, that's, that's great for them. I mean, what I love about these four, Eric, is that it really does um, kind of uh, – this is much, much broader than our little branch of the Christian tree. You know, I love that you've, you've, you've done something that is broad enough um, that covers a lot of where, where people are coming from and, and a lot of faith traditions and things like that. So just to, as a reminder, um, you, know, you talked about uh, uh, transformation being maturing faith, hope, and love. Um, it is something that is supernatural that happens within us, but it is also we don't drift into it. You know, we're called to do um, some things that won't feel that won't feel natural or or easy for us to do. Um, it is an imperfect journey, and so it's just going to be messy in our lives and in other people's lives, and it will be unique to us, like our pathways and you know stuff like that. And so we need to give others grace and allow us um, the grace to find what that means to grow in our relationship with God. I love that. And 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 if I could make a case for then, hey, why does that connect to like small groups? Like why yeah. why you know. I think the case I would make then is like you don't naturally just get small group from there. Um, yeah. And again, we're a small group based church, but the reason why we do small groups is the, these are underlying convictions that speak into why we try to why we're passionate about everybody having a group of people because yeah. you'd be like, well, hey, if if um, if spiritual formation isn't natural, um, it, then groups give us like we need other people to keep us accountable that are actually mm-hmm. like, hey, I I know you want this in your life. Um, so I'm going to help you do that. Like if we, if we believe that to the core, you're like, okay, that's, that's true. Or, Hey, uh, the fact that, um, spiritual form, uh, transformation is uniquely personal, but can't be done alone. The idea is that, Hey, you have your way of connecting with God. I have my way of connecting with God, but you know what? We're probably both thinking too limited about right. it and that God is bigger than how I think of him on my own. And, and so groups give us the chance to say, Hey, press into me a little bit. We're not going to be the same, but you know, mm-hmm. um, or I think of the imperfect journey part where, you know, it's just like it's hard and it's easy to get hard on ourselves about what God is doing in our life. And so we need a safe place to be authentic where it's like, man, I really blew it. I've been wanting all these things in my life. I've been wanting to grow here. I need a, a circle of friends that can help with it. And so my my feeling with this, I, I think if we can think deeper about the way that we try to transform with each other mm-hmm. beyond just trying to do life together. If right. there's actually – that phrase kind of bothers me a little bit. It's so passive. It's like, oh, we just do life together. It's like, right. well, what does that even mean? Yeah. But I think if we're actually like, no, you know what? Like I want to experience more growth in my life, then then it makes sense with those convictions of like 
what I'm trying to do with other people. Yeah, that's super helpful. Well, I want to I want to take just a, a thirty second break or yeah. something like that, and then because you have a, the, I want us to spend just a little bit of time talking about the five, yeah. because you have um, kind of narrowed things down. That there's some similar catalysts in everybody's life when they talk about spiritual growth, and you know it, it's a little bit touched into the group thing you just you just talked about, but there's some more specific things I think are really really fascinating yeah. that we can sort of look at ourselves and and, and also try and help facilitate in other people's lives. So we're going to jump back into that after a short break. And we're back. So uh, we are talking about transformation or spiritual transformation, which is what every church is about in one way or another, but every church can tend to define it a little bit differently. And so uh, I'm Greg Holmes, and I am uh, interviewing our, our the Page Two podcast co-host, uh, Eric Torrance, because this is kind of his area of leadership here at Chase Oaks. And he is, um, and we're, we're just talking about what spiritual transformation means. And um, as best as we understand it, even beyond Chase Oaks Church. But what, what does it mean? What does it look like? How can we be a part of uh, what God's doing in our lives and what he's doing in the lives of others? And so, Eric, I want to jump into uh, the five. You've, you've mentioned yeah. the four, five, six. We talked about the four just a minute ago, some of the characteristics, what we believe about transformation. What's the five? Yeah, the five are different ingredients that we just have seen pop up in people's stories that God just tends to use. And this isn't, I mean, just to full disclosure, this is not us. Like we didn't come up with with the five. Um, this was based off of a study that a number of churches did, uh, where they they listened to a ton of stories of of people in in churches that love Jesus, and they're right. like, okay, well, how's God? How did God grow people? And these five catalysts just kept popping up over and over and over again. And even I think here, like our experience at Chase Oaks, where when we do a storytelling component with established, and right. we listen and I've done a couple of groups that have done it where you listen to people's stories and you're like okay most of these five you could actually like check them off right. like on a list you're like okay that's this one and that's this one and so I think so they tend to just show up again and they, again and they again. just do yeah. and, I, and so I think the smart thing then for us is to say well if we're trying to pastor people well or lead people well or even just work in our life it's like okay we probably need to pay attention to those five catalysts yeah. and probably say Hey, how do we utilize them and right. move forward? Okay, with them? so what are they? Yeah, uh, I'm going to just run through them real fast, yeah, and then I'd love to then just uh, see how they pop up in yours and my life. But uh, the first one would be practical teaching. Uh, that is exposure to uh, to scripture. Um, that is uh, based content that is true, but it's also helpful. Um, and I think people can oftentimes point to either a, a Bible teacher or a pastor or even a small group leader or somebody that just had a way of making the scripture come alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Even scripture that you'd heard, because we know God's word changes lives. It's active and alive, but there's sometimes some person just has a way of presenting that. Um, For me, uh, it was my high school youth pastor. He just Mm -hmm. had a way of doing it that just revolutionized my life. Um, The second one would be private disciplines, um, that there is just a correlation between when we start doing a few of those personal things kind of on our own that, mm-hmm. that just starts to really shape us. I mean, you'll hear this from people all the time of, I just started reading my Bible on my mm-hmm. own and right. it's like, okay, God, and just God started doing something cool. Or I started giving for the first time, or I started praying. Um, 
that that there's just something about those those disciplines that that really shape us and and help us grow in big ways. A third one would be personal ministry. Uh, these all start with P. You're figuring that hey, out. Hey, yeah. Look at that. Well done. Thank you. Well, again, I can't take credit, but hey, I'll, <laughs> that, that's convenient. Uh, personal ministry would be that just that God starts to, oftentimes when we take a step of faith into serving or using our gifting, and we don't even know if we're like qualified or ready to do it, but somebody kind of pulled us in or before we even thought we were ready, that oftentimes that winds up being one of the highlights or one of the big defining moments of our faith journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a big one. Um, providential relationships, that is that that oftentimes people can point back to a person or two that just was there for them or had a way, an impact on their life that made them grow. Uh, right. That spouse, uh, uh, a mentor, a friend, um, but somebody... Um, in fact, I mean, the power of an invitation, both to church, but also mm-hmm. to knowing Jesus and to just having conversation, like that is a powerful, uh, right. a powerful catalyst. And then the last one is kind of the trickiest one. It would be pivotal circumstances. That is that when people think back to their stories, there are, and this is oftentimes challenging, a challenging circumstance or a difficult circumstance, that it is those challenging circumstances that wind up being some of the most faith-defining moments in our, our life. Right. The the challenge of it being that they're also, those events have the potential to completely derail us, too. Right. yeah. Um, so it's all a matter of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I have the, uh, I don't know, the ability to interpret this, that God is not using this to punish me, or God is not real because this is happening to me, yeah. if, if instead I can find God in the middle of that pivotal circumstance, that that actually can take our faith to a whole different level. Yeah. Um, and so the whole point of that is just how do you interpret it? But right. when you hear people's stories uh, time and time again, it is often some kind of challenge, a, a divorce, a losing a job, uh, um, an illness, um, any, any a number of things that um, a death of a close family member or friend um, that, again, is not good in and of itself, but it is a thing that often is catalytic in someone's faith. Right, yeah. Yeah, I just love how... Um, practical that is. Every every person who's listening to this, I'm going to r- read through these uh, one more time and you can, you know, record it or, or play it, play it back or whatever and write these down because um, I think that these are super um, practical when we look at our own lives as yeah. we want to grow, but we all have influence in other people's lives as well. Yeah. And when, um, when someone comes for counsel, when a friend is struggling with something or they're, you know, those types of things, um, these are some practical things that we can suggest or things that we can or if someone is going through a a really difficult circumstance, we can know for sure that this this has the potential to be something that can cause incredible growth, you know, um, because it's a, it could be a pivotal circumstance yeah. in how people respond. Yeah. So a practical teaching. Uh, private disciplines, kind of making your faith your own and doing some things on your, you know, from your own initiative, uh, personal ministry and that just serving others, finding a, finding a way to, to serve providential relationships, um, that there are certain key relationships that, um, that, that propel us forward oftentimes and then pivotal circumstances. Um, 
maybe, you know, we're just about out of time here, Eric, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but give us an example, just maybe in your own life, in your own growth of just maybe how one or two of those has sort of shown up. And I'll flip it to you as well, because I think it's interesting um, just going through them. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah." Yeah. I I, I see all five of these in my own life. And I already mentioned the practical teaching one with my uh, youth pastor, uh, but he just did. He had a way of um, in fact, I can think through different stages of my life where there was uh, just somebody that um, a favorite author or teacher, again, that you still read God's word, but somebody just had a way of kind of connecting the pieces. Mm-hmm. So um, I can think of different pastors and different teachers, Jeff even being one of those for me now, where it's like, yeah. hey, that, that just has a way um, of connecting it to be, oh, that the, the Bible's alive with them. So I'd say that's one. But um, for me, personal ministry was one of those two, um, that when I was a high schooler and I'd barely, I mean, I grew up in the church, but I'd barely, I'd barely really like gotten fully, like I just wasn't involved. Yeah. And I didn't really, I don't think I really knew Jesus all that well at that point. And so you could look at this as either foolish on the part of uh, my youth pastor, or yeah. you could look at this as providential. It's whatever you want to say. But for me, he he invited me to start leading junior hires. And we now look at that and you're like, well, as pastors, you always want to find people yeah. to lead junior hires. Right. And yet for me, like no one had ever asked me to ever do anything significant, uh, particularly in the church, and to lead a small group as a high schooler of junior hires was really catalytic. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I would be in ministry without that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what I was doing and I don't know what I said uh, yeah. there, but uh, I know that it was catalytic in my own life on that too. Um, and I would say providential relationships as well. Like I, I think, I think of life in stages. Um, so I can point to a person uh, in my high school years. It's two people. It's two of my friends. They're still mm-hmm. friends of mine today. Um, one's uh, Ash and Danny. That they, yeah. they are, they, they came along when I needed them and mm-hmm. propelled me to a place. But then when I got to college, it was a, a guy named John who was really, uh, really impactful to me. Um, and then getting married, it was my wife, you yeah. know, and, and it's like just a person, it's almost like I can define each stage, a person who just was there for me and that helped me grow uh, right. in that. What would you say for you, just as you think of them? You know, I could, I mean, just as you, I mean, I could talk about each one of those, like, very easily. Like, it's easy to see how all five of those have been part of my story, and it is a little bit uncanny how you can sort of list these things. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, that is my story. You know, I thought my story was so unique. Um, (laughs) You're a flower. You're a a snowflake. That's right. right. I thought I was unique. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that sort of steps out or kind of leaps out to me um, early, like in my high school years, I, you know, I my sophomore, junior, and high school were pretty dicey mm-hmm. uh, for me. And we we were at the time, I was living in Denver, Colorado, and or, or outside of Denver in Aurora. And we were going to a church in downtown Denver. It was like 30 minutes away or something like that. And I I didn't really connect with the youth group. And I was, and my life at the time was kind of getting a little, um, it was a little hairy there for a little bit. And, but I knew enough. I had, I had, I, I was a Christian at the time and I, I, I knew that I needed some Christian friends. I knew that, you know, and so I made the move, um, kind of apart from my parents, I had my driver's license, uh, to change churches hmm. and to start going to a church that was known for a good youth ministry. Yeah. And so for me, that personal discipline of going to church and I was doing it on my own, yeah. like waking up on Sunday morning, going on Wednesday nights. Um, and at that youth ministry, I started reading my Bible by myself, you know, so that was a, 
a very like I, for years and years I talk about like like some of the pivotal moments in my life mm-hmm. me taking the initiative to make my faith my own yeah. and to make um, my own growth a priority you know that kind of thing and then um it was in that ministry that I was um, called upon to to lead and do some different things and start to stretch a little bit of those muscles and so those that kind of 16 17 years old for me was just super super important so you know even now if someone's listening and they're like i want to grow in my faith it's like we all say like oh, i want to grow in my faith but i i what i've found with this study with those five things is like oh, it just puts it in such tangible terms it's like okay if you want to grow in your faith like you probably need to pick one of these. And right. I mean, you can't pick, I mean, pivotal circumstances is a little hard. Uh, right. You don't, <laughs> that's a little difficult. And even providential relationships is a little challenging because you can't just create that out of right. air. But I think it's like on the other ones, you certainly can as far yeah. as the practical teaching, uh, private, it's like, hey, maybe I just need to pick a discipline or ministry. I'm, I may not feel like I have anything to offer, but I probably just need to do it, like right. step in. And under the relational side to say, hey, if I'm feeling lonely, it, those don't just happen, so I do need to take some relational risks somewhere yeah. uh, with the hopes that, hey, out of this, uh, I, I won't find a group that has all of my best friends. No no one's small group is full of all full of providential relationships, right. but I think it makes the potential more yeah. likely to happen. So I just think um, that that's what we were trying to do for our church, but even just for me personally, of kind of getting to a place where it's like, okay, I want to think more specifically if—, if if transformation is a big deal, obviously, like we all want to grow, I just want to make sure I, I have some lanes to run yeah. on, and I think this this kind of helps with that. Well, there's a lot more we could talk about. This is a big issue, and it's certainly a big uh, a push of our church and every church. I think it's safe to say. So, I really appreciate your work on this, Eric, and I'm glad we could talk about this and this. Um, Brings us to the end of this episode of the Page Two Podcast. Uh, as usual, we want to give a special thanks uh, to Chase Oaks Church and the Center for Church Renewal uh, for the use of the studio space. And um, and if you would like to, we would like to hear from you. If you would like to go to our website, uh, leave some comments. Um, we, we would love to hear from you and maybe some ideas on future podcasts or, or th- that type of thing. Uh, follow us on Facebook. And uh, I'm not good at this. I've never done this part. Yeah. So yeah, you're uh, fine. Follow us on Facebook. Um, what else do I say? Just thanks, thanks, uh, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook, and uh, we will see you next time on the Page Two Podcast. Bye. <laughs>